You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. Like I'm sure many of you do, our team subscribes to the GSV Daily News Blast to keep up to date on what's going on in the education industry. Recently, we noticed an increase in the number of stories that GSV is running daily around human resources and talent startups, and especially that most of these included something around artificial intelligence. We also recently launched our Ask About AI blog series on GettingSmart.com to investigate the impact AI will have on the future of learning and employment. So Tom invited Michael Moe, co-founder of GSV, to help us understand more about this wave of stories connected to AI and what it might mean in education. Well, Michael Moe, it's great to have you back on the Getting Smart podcast. It's great to be with you, Tom. Uh, GSV uh, recently, I guess it was uh, maybe six months ago, added a big section uh, to to the daily blast that a lot of us get on um, on enterprise lifelong learning and uh, talent development. So it's been fun to uh, read the clips there. Uh, what? What's the background on the the increased emphasis that um, that you're making on uh, on lifelong learning? Well, I think there's just a fundamental reality that you can't separate learning from career. Right. Um, so in, increasingly, it's 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 clear that um, you know, the most important thing is you're learning to earn. And and being able to understand how they're all linked together, I think, is fundamental to understand the future of learning. But, you know, to back to our overarching um, focus is how do we get everybody to have equal opportunity to participate in the future? And so having access to great education and courses and, and, and ways to learn is 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 a key component. But how that um, translates into career opportunities and, and work. Uh, we think it's important to to to, to merge those um, those issues. Well, your clips have done a great job helping a lot of us um, stay in touch with the corporate learning market um, and and be able to watch the trends there. And uh, one obvious trend is that every single day uh, we see in your clips uh, a wave of new HR startups, many that incorporate um, artificial intelligence and machine learning. I think this morning there were uh, four stories in that category, and that is not unusual. So what um, what in the world is happening in, in the world of HR and talent development? Well, I think, it, 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 you know, the activity is a definite signal that important things are going on. You know, the last 12 months, you've had over 400 deals um, that have that have happened, over two billion dollars invested by venture capital into the space, and so that you know, I think that 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 tells you that it's it's important to, to, to pay attention to to what what's what's taking place. I think you know you hit on a couple couple pieces. One, artificial intelligence is it does change the game. To, to a huge, to, to, to a large degree, just making the activity, which I think is going to be looking, the historical activity looking relatively primitive in terms of how people identified, recruited, um, and, and, and developed talent, and what you're able to do with this powerful software for more uh, precise, individualized 
um, experience and much more efficient experience. So when you look at the corporations, the number, it boils down to how corporations are competing in this global marketplace to knowledge-based economy is about who can obtain, train, and retain the, you know, the best people, you know, the talent. So let's talk about a couple of the categories. Um, it looks like there's a ton of activity in the pre-employment space. So that, that would be uh, automating the, the sourcing, uh, re recruiting, um, candidate contact, um, interview scheduling, um, scoring responses. What, what else are you seeing in the pre-employment category? Well, I think what you're seeing is, uh, you're describing is, you know, a variety of activities that um, heretofore, you know, were, were part of the identification and recruiting process. But like a lot of areas, software is now um, coming into into play and it's smart software, intelligent right. software um, to make the process more cost effective, more time efficient, and most importantly, to find the very best candidates. Um, you know, it, it's, it's become too critical. You just can't have kind of a random um, way that you, you find the people that basically are going to drive the success and growth of your, of your enterprise. You need to be able to do it in a very systematic, consistent, predictable right. um, way. And that's where you're seeing all these different tools coming together that effectively being – um, you know, brought to to um, solutions. Is this a, uh, is this good news or bad news for uh, diversity in hiring? I think it's good news um, because you know again the more subjective ways that people just and it's, it's not people you know it's just it's just you know, the human nature yeah. has biases towards it. Right, and the the biases are in the networks that we have as individuals and. You know, We're many more likely ways. to hire people like ourselves, right? It's and it's not because people are bad; it's because people are people. Yeah. And so, you know, in the the classic example to me that was so interesting um, is when you know symphonies and how they hired the different players for the for the orchestra. Um, you know, it used to be you know 99% male, and basically when they created the blind, you just listened to the music as opposed to saw what was going on. You know, it became you know it became much more kind of 50-50, just like the population, right? Right. And 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 I think the more you can eliminate biases and focus on really you know, objective ways to evaluate who's qualified, who will do well, how they'll fit with the culture, who's you know all those different characteristics that you're looking for without that you know that natural human bias, I think that does have very positive implications for diversity. What's happening in the in the employment and uh, training and development space that you find interesting? Well, I mean, the, uh, I think the most important shift that, that we see going on and really, you know, this whole idea of HR and talent tech is that HR historically was really kind of a cost center. It was not looked at as very strategic. Um, it was looked at as necessary. And increasingly, both in terms of the role of HR, but also how it's linked to the most important decisions made by uh, an organization and really led by you know, CEOs and, and boards is, you know, what are you doing 
that we are creating, um, you know, finding the best people, as I said, obtain, train, retain the best, best people. And what are we doing to develop these people and how are we doing it in a really smart way as opposed to just because you're supposed to do it? Really look at what we're doing to, to create competitive advantages, how you, know, how you evolve and grow and compete. And that's, that's a, it's a shift that's going on, but you look at the most important you know, companies in the world, it's, be, it's, it's it, the priority is just growing and growing every single day. And, and I think that does create lots of opportunities for talent companies, learning companies, companies that understand, you know, what the, what the key goals and needs of an organization are. I mean, it's not, I mean, there's just so many fascinating things that I think are going to evolve um, from that reality. Are, uh, do you see uh, uh, chatbots getting better quickly? You, you know, we, we've seen them in the customer service space, but do you see them getting better uh, for the employee relations, employee services? For sure. Um, I think you're, you're going to see it become much more uh, personalized and more, you know, where it feels. I mean, you're seeing all sorts of interesting applications and ways that they're being used. And, of course, today is going to look prehistoric. You know, you fast forward 12 months from now in terms of how they're going to be used and really to, to provide, um, you know, exceptional experiences, exceptional results. I mean, I'm, I'm very bullish, and I think a lot of people then say, well, that's replacing um, people, and, and, and it is going to replace some some people functions, and I think that's going to create other opportunities for um, people that bots aren't going to, you know, be, be um, you know, part of. And so it's 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 a, obviously an incredibly dynamic environment, and I think people do naturally view some of these um, technology that is, that is coming into the workplace in a, in a very... Um, you know, dynamic fashion is being scary, and that's that's natural too. But I think it's I think overall, I think it's 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 good and exciting. We've heard how AI is impacting the corporate world, but how does this apply to education? Tom and Michael switch gears here and begin discussing how these developments will affect formal education for both K twelve and higher ed. I think it's really going to catalyze rethinking about what you're trying to accomplish. I think there's been so much that's been done in learning is that, that happens because it's the way it's always been done. I'm sure you want to do it well. Right. But you have sort of a, um, you know, a, a way that things are done because that's the way they were done. And then you go online and you say, well, you're trying to recreate what you created um, offline. And I think increasingly what's happening, in, in many ways driven by corporate needs, is thinking about what do you, you know? What's the objective? You know, what kind of skills? What type of um, knowledge do, do do people need? Then you kind of reverse engineer and say, well, how are you going to get there? And that's the type of learning that I think you know you're going to have just a, a, a I think a reconceptualization of how you know what what are the things that are people are going to learn? How they're going to learn them? What you know what's the currency that's going to be created with that to represent that I have this knowledge or skill that qualifies me for this opportunity? How am I going to get prescriptions, you know, based on where I've got holes and where I have got proficiencies? And so I think it's going to, it's going to, I think it could be pretty radical for um, just the kind of traditional structure of how people obtain knowledge traditionally through schools, through, you know, K through 12, through you know, college, through, through higher ed. You know, it's not that that goes away way, but I do think you're going to see um, it, the, 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 that being augmented certainly by 
some of these these um, just kind of thinking about what we got, you know, what's what's the what, what do we need, and then then kind of reverse it and say, oh, this is how we got to get there. And you're seeing that happen in the corporate um, marketplace today because of necessity. And I think that goes all the way back, you know. And again, I think I think that's I think that's really positive. I mean, we we you know as, as as you know, Tom, you know, we have a very strong um, commitment and view that. Um, that we do a very poor job of providing enough people access to the type of knowledge and education that they need to participate in the future. And I think you know, catalyzing, rethinking of ways you can do that, and technology can be such a powerful way to create access and democratize that in, in, in a both consistent um, and uh, less prejudiced manner. Right. You know, I guess one big development that we, we almost take for granted now is that I, I would suspect that most kids in the United States uh, spend some time every week in in some kind of an adaptive learning software. In a few cases, it's built into a platform. In other cases, it's it's, uh, it's an app like ST Math or Dreambox Math or Reasoning Mind or uh, iStation or iReady, um, these really widely used adaptive learning uh, software for both uh, math and reading, and those all of those um, providers are uh, getting smarter about uh, incorporating uh, AI. We see those platforms get better and better uh, month over month, and I, I think we can expect to see that trend continue right for sure i mean and and and, and i really it, it, you know you kind of think about it today and now you just sort of expect it because there's so much of it going on but if you go it went back five years it was really just conceptual people talked about it as right. possible you know as kind of possibilities but it really wasn't going you know taking place now you fast forward five years from now and i think it's going to be um, ubiquitous um, and per, you know and pervasive, but but I think it, it brings up a concept that I think is going to be a, a complementary um, area that that people aren't really thinking about, but they should, and that's this whole idea of invisible learning. That you're going to be the, increasingly, I think there's going to be ways that people are obtaining knowledge and and, and education without even realizing that's what's going on, and that coupled with um, adaptive, adaptive software um, in a personalized manner, I think, is going to be very um, transformative. Well, say more about that. What do you mean by invisible learning? I mean that there's going to be programs that are created where you are, or, or things and activities that you have just naturally that are going to have learning embedded in them. Yeah. So you are going to be, and it's going to be able to capture that. So it's not just you know, you're you're it's, it's you're learning by doing, you're learning by experience, all that kind yep. of stuff. But it's also be able to capture it, and I'll be able to you know, track progress right. without even without even you know even thinking about it. It's just it's right. just it's naturally taking place. And so you know, I mean, one area that that is um, you know ha happening today, and it just you know again we still haven't seen it to the degree. Um, we, I'd like, or I think we're going to see in the future, but that's in the area of you know, games. You know, you're playing games, and yet you're there's learning that's going on. It's right. being able to capture it. But I think it's going to happen just like the Internet of Things, um, and and how you know everything's going to be smart. Ways to be able to do that in the for a learning experience, capturing that, you know, effectively being able to track it, 
Um, I think that's going to be, and, and, and again, by the way, you know, in an adaptive way where it's getting smarter and more personalized and, and more prescriptive, you know, as, 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 as you evolve that, I mean, it's, it's, that's kind of a future. Um, I think that's a future where a uh, future place where, um, uh, has big potential. I, you know, right now there's only a couple learning platforms that, um, that are adaptive. They're most frequently used in, uh, CTE, um, I, I think it's fair to say that we'll begin to see these more and more platforms that help teachers develop a comprehensive learner profile and have a, a recommendation engine. And so that, as you, you described it, our, this um, invisible learning, we'll just have smart nudges, uh, smart recommendations that make it easier for teachers and students to uh, identify the next best step. And those things will begin to creep into platforms over the next year. Yeah, I think you know, I think they will start to creep in platforms over the next year. And certainly, you know, you know, do you see a radical change in the next 12 months? You know, maybe, maybe not. But but I think I'd make a very strong um, argument that over the next five years, you're, it's it's going to be you won't even be able to recognize a lot of what's happened. Maybe analogous to, I mean, you don't see, you know, who do you see today? Using a, a landline phone. I mean, right. you know, I don't, I don't even know the phone number in my office. You know, right. It never rings. But I couldn't imagine that five, six, seven years ago. And and so it's just, um, you know, it's going to be. I think it's going to be really interesting how obsolete many things that were used um, historically look five years from now. Well, and we started by talking about HR systems, and it it does. Um, it seems like we'll begin to see improvements in things like uh, substitute scheduling, uh, that that mastered scheduling for both students and uh, teachers should get better with smart scheduling software. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, just, you, you can think of all the different ways that you know, that things are gonna get better and, and smarter and um, you know more personalized. It's, it's um, you know, I think, I think we're on the dawn of a very, um, you know, very exciting times. Uh, school districts are sort of notoriously underfunded and usually have bad service when it comes to technology and to human resource d- departments. And but uh, we we should in the next year begin to see those folks start using chatbots and digital assistants to improve service delivery in school districts? Well, I think for, for a variety of reasons. One is, is, you know, the, you look at the generation of kids that are in college today, you know, the class of 2020 last fall, I mean, they were born uh, 18 years ago, which is when Google was started. So that generation of people basically are, you know, technology is like everything. I mean, it's everything is, Everything's now, you know, the digital natives and everything being natural. So just as you continue to see people that are fluent through technology and expect great technology and embrace it, yeah, you know that that will continue to to filter its way through um, you know districts and, and schools and and again, I think that's sort of a I think that's sort of gravity. I mean, that's unstoppable. And and that, that so it's, you, you will see, you know, not only that the tools are getting better and 
and easier and so forth, but just the, the people, you know, the people that, um, that, that utilize them are just, it's just what they expect. It's what they demand. And that, I think that's a different, that's a, that's a shift than what, you know, historically was the case. Let, let's uh, close with a couple of words just about the market. I, most educators uh, listening to this are, may have noticed their, their uh, retirement portfolios have gone up. The markets are uh, at or close to uh, record highs. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I, the political environment seems so unsettled and uh, unproductive. Why are the markets uh, still creeping upward? So, well, I mean, I think first of all, you know, the stock market, um, you know, one thing that I've learned over 30 years being involved with, 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 with the stock market is basically it has, the stock market has the incredible ability to do uh, exactly the opposite of what most people expect yeah. and also what inflicts the most pain on people. I mean, it's just, it's just sort of the, it's, 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 it's sort of the, the, the funny reality of the market. But I think there's some also fundamental reasons that despite what seems to be very chaotic and unstable, which we think would be bad for stocks, actually um, is, 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 is been viewed um, constructively by investors one of which is, you know, the sort of a reality for United States companies has been have been burdened by increasing cost of regulations and taxes. So on a global basis, the United States has the highest tax system, um, corp, you know, corporately and the, the corporate corporations in the world, which you know makes it in a global marketplace makes it tougher and tougher to compete. So anything right. that reduces that as a priority should help companies be able to invest in their people and, and grow their business and so forth. I think that's reflected in stock you know, regulations, which make it tough to do business or, you know, you know make it less, um, have less incentive to, 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 to grow and build. You know, that, that those are all positive, you know, um, things I think people see from the, the new administration, or at least maybe a check against some right. of the things that were going on before. So, I mean, again, stocks um, reflect future Values like that's part of it, but you know the other piece, which is 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 different, doesn't matter who's in the White House, is that innovation is not only alive and well, it's accelerating, and it's accelerating not just in Silicon Valley, but it's accelerating around the United States and around the world, and ultimately that is extremely positive and bullish for not only stocks but for society, and I think as it applies to what we love, you know, and, and think is so fundamental is in, in the in the learning. Um, world, you know, I think the the ability to help people get the knowledge they need to thrive in the world that we're that we're in, you know, there's never been that you know a greater opportunity or potential to do that, and so maybe that's part of this too. Uh, that's a great place to stop. That's uh, the 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 big idea that I think uh, you and I agree on. There's never been a better chance to make a difference, and I think that's why you focus on the the innovation economy. We, we do really appreciate your focus on equity and expanding access to this, um, this knowledge-based economy. That's what uh, GSV is all about. Thanks so much to Michael Moe for speaking with us today and to Tom for another great interview. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Kat signing off. <laughs>